Praise the Lord. How many of you are glad you're in the house of the Lord tonight? I'm glad you're here too. It's good to have everyone here. Good to have everyone out on the internet. If you're joining with us tonight, uh, I'm Pastor Larry Graham, one of the pastors here. It is a joy and an honor to be able to have the opportunity to minister to you tonight. Uh, but before we do it, we want to make our declaration. Would you stand with me? Let's make our declaration. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not, nor did I turn away. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Father, I thank you, Lord, this night. I pray, Lord, your anointing tonight. <clears throat> Lord, I'm just a vessel. Lord, your Holy Spirit, speak through me tonight. Open every ear to hear your word that you want them to receive tonight. I thank you for it. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. This time that we live in searching over the last, I guess, several weeks, the Lord's been speaking to me a lot of this stuff. That's the way he does it. I'm glad he didn't change it on me at the last minute because I was afraid that was going to happen, and it may before it's over with. Um... But we live in a time now that is something that I have never seen in my lifetime. And I've been through seven decades. It's a long time. I mean, we went through when it was polio. We went through every kind of virus and every kind of sickness that could come on. And nothing ever done like it was done this time. And all I see around today, and as I look, and I try not to watch any more TV than necessary... Try to keep up a little bit on the news, but you know, you kind of get a little irritated when you start looking at all the chaos. I'm not specifically talking about rioting and that type of thing. I'm talking about just chaos. We have chaoses in our school system. Nobody knows how to, how to do anything. We don't know how to open our restaurants. We don't, know how, we don't know how to go here. We don't know where to wear a mask, don't wear a mask, wear it up. Is this kind of good or is this one not going to work? And we seem to be completely turned upside down. And that is nothing more than a trick of the enemy. Because when we're in chaos or when we're all mixed up in all those things, we lose sight of what God wants for us. We lose our focus. God says that we are to focus on Him and to, be, uh, to, to seek Him. But when we begin to look around and see all of the chaos around us, the storms that are flying around everywhere, our hearts are troubled, and therefore we lose our priority system. Now, a lot of people don't understand what I'm talking about when I'm talking about priorities. We all have priorities. Tonight, I want to talk with you about... Came, I, had, I had about six or eight titles to this message, and, um, and I don't know which one of them's the best. I really don't, but I had to come up with one. And so I was, I was easy on you and didn't make it real pointed. <laughs> I just said this, establishing priorities. Because we have to have order and we have to have priorities in our life. And uh, I went in and I was sharing my thoughts with my wife. And I asked her this question that I'm going to ask you. What is your top priorities? Well, I asked that to my wife and she just, that quick, she said, God, family, and country. I said, wow, that came back fast. I thought she'd have to at least think about it a few minutes because I knew she had to think about how much she loved me. And how much priority she has to give to me. So, 
I was hoping she'd take a little bit longer, but she didn't. She knew what, her, what it was, and that's the fact that God is always first. Everything else has to come later. And God did have an order. He said God had to be first, and our families were second. Sometimes we get those things out of whack and out of, uh, out of, of, out of the way that they should be. But many of you would probably, if I asked you that question, probably say the same thing. At least hopefully you would say something very similar to that. A lot of people want their family first. You know, a lot of people put their job in there, uh, you know, the important things that are there. But tonight I want to talk about priorities and what our priorities are. But what sets our priorities in life? I got to thinking about it and saying, well, what do we set our priorities to do? First, I think, it's the, I think we can say it's the thing that we love. People like to do the things that they love to do. And those are the ones that's going to get priorities. The only problem is there's those necessity things that has to be done, like my wife has to wash my clothes, my wife has to cook my meals, my wife has to take care of me when I'm cold, she has to get my blanket if I'm shivering, you know, she has to go buy the groceries. And she has, you know, she has all these things. She has to pay all the bills. And I have to, and my priority is to encourage her so that she can continue to do those things. Because the necessities of life have to come. You've you got to cook. You've got to go get the groceries. You've got to cook. You've got to do those things. Whether she likes to do them or not, they have to be done. And whether or not I like to wash the dishes or not, I have to. I don't like washing dishes, but if I don't wash them, they'd stack up and then she'd start saying, <coughs> amen, because to her it's a bigger priority than it is for me, but it has to be done. But we need to set our priorities in, in life, whatever, but God said that serving Him was the most important thing. In Mark 12... Verse 29, it says, And Jesus answered them. They asked him, Lord, what's the, what's the best commandment or what's the greatest commandment? And he said, The first commandment of all commandments, the first commandment of all commandments is, Hear, o Israel, the Lord our, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, and the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And this is the first commandment. And if you go back, it is the first commandment, you know, if you go back. But it's like a lot of things. Mike always teaches when you talk about all the things to do, the temperance things you've got to do. He said, if you do the first one, if you learn the last one, which is self-control, it makes the others a whole lot easier. Well, God put this one out here. If you get everything, if you, got, if you start on the right foot, you gotta, you're going to work in the right direction. And he says, here, I want everybody to look at it. He says, and you shall love the Lord. He did not give us a choice. He made a commandment. You shall love the Lord thy God. Okay? Now, a lot of people say, well, he commanded us to do that. He told us to love the Lord. But then we have to love the Lord, right? Yes, the only problem is we have a choice. He said every commandment in the Word of God says that you have to do, do this or not do that. 
And it's all based on the first and the principal commandment to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And it's not a suggestion, it's a command. Therefore, it is not a choice. The problem is, it is a choice for man. Man has the choice of whether or not he will love the Lord his God with all. He doesn't say part of your heart. He said all of your heart. Now, I don't understand it because I tell my wife I love her with all of my heart. How many of you tell your spouse, I love you with all of my heart? How many tell you, love your kids? Love, I, I love my kids. I love them to the moon and back. I love them with all of my heart. I couldn't love you anymore. And I got thinking about it the other day, and I said, you know, if I, li- if I love everybody 100%, I must have a lot of heart to me. But the thing about it, what God says is, I want to be first. I'm the one that you have to love me with all of your heart. And he didn't just say his heart. He went and he said, all of your mind, your soul, and your strength. That's every part of our being. Now, there's a phrase around my house that I hear quite often. And it's because I have a problem. And so I have to be told one word. Hydrate. My wife is constantly telling me, hydrate, because I don't drink enough of water and I don't drink a lot of liquids because I get busy and I forget to drink. And so she says, hydrate. When I was working, I used to get a phone call, eat. But since I don't work, she just sticks it in front of me and says it's time to eat. She doesn't have to do it that way. But it's important to hydrate. Our physical body, sometimes we have to hydrate for, eat, for drinking, but we also have to eat. Now, we have a natural mechanism that tells us when we're thirsty and a natural mechanism that tells us when we are hungry. Many people are hungry all the time. Okay? But both of these things are important. But the thing about it is spiritual water... And spiritual food are ne- as necessary as natural, if not more, okay? Because ha- our spiritual hungers and our spiritual thirsting is not a natural mechanism. It's something that we have to choose to do it. We have to choose to drink. Jesus told us, in, <clears throat> he says, if you hunger and thirst for more Jesus, do we? Jesus, in in John chapter 6, he said, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me shall never hunger. Now, I look at it and I say, If you come and eat of Jesus, you will never hunger. How can you never hunger? How is it? How do you stop in natural? How do you keep from being hungry? You eat. As long as you eat, you'll never be hungry. As long as you eat of the Word of God, you will never be hungry because you will be eating on His Word all the time. The same thing is drinking. He says that if you thirst, and he who shall be hungry, and he who believes me shall never thirst again. In other words, He supplies these spiritual things. But do we desire to do those things? Do we set that as a priority in our life? Or has that become secondary in our life? 
There are so many things that can rob our time and rob all the things that we do. But where? The Bible tells us that we have treasures. Talk about many times we take up offerings. We're talking about treasures. God wants treasures for us. And he's talking about treasures. He says, but where are we storing up our treasures? Are we storing our treasures here on earth? Or are we storing them up in heaven? In Matthew 6 it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where threes rake in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and the, and the thieves do not break in to steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If he said to love you with all of his heart, he said wherever you put and wherever you go for your treasure, that's where your heart's going to be. That's where our hearts are going to be is where we seek our treasures. I think that everyone knows that our treasures on the earth, what they are. You know, I think I don't think I can list what the treasures of the earth, the natural treasures of man is. I think everybody is overly understanding as to what that is, right? And we, we know because we're constantly trying to get more and more and more of it, right? But what are some of the heavenly treasures that we need to store up? That we need to store up. Now, I can't go into every one of them, but I want to do two or three of them, and then I'll get... And then I'll get off this introduction and get to, get to ministering to you here. What about having greater love for the Word of God? A desire for more of the Word. Do we desire more of God's Word? Now, it says, in Psalms it says, For, for your Word have I hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Notice the word heart. We're getting back to the same thing. Love the Lord with all of your heart. Everything has to do with the heart. That's that, that spiritual side of us, that part of us that, get, that makes us who we are. And it's, it's talking about it. It says, the word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Have we hidden enough of the word? Are we hungry enough to put the word and keep that word going there, right? And so in Psalms uh, 162, it says, I rejoice at, the word, at your word. And as one who finds great treasure. He's saying that this is a great treasure. Now we're studying in foundations class and we're going to get studying. Sooner or later we're going to get to this. But we're, we're laying certain foundations. And basically you want, somebody says, what's the foundation? This is it right here. This is our foundation. You can't, we cannot teach Genesis to Revelation. We can only take important aspects of this, but this is where our treasures are, and many don't know the heavenly treasures because they haven't found them in God's Word. Many who have found them live greatly with them. But what about the desire to have an intimate relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Colossians 2, it says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you. Notice it. Paul says, I have a conflict. Some of these people hadn't seen his face. So he had this conflict. And he says, I have this conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea and for, all, for as many as has not seen my face in the flesh. In other words, you're just going to have to listen to these letters that I'm writing to you. You haven't seen me. He says, that their hearts may be encouraged. Again, the word heart. That our hearts may be encouraged. What? 
from the Word. And it says, being knit together in love and attaining all the riches of His full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of, and of, and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's all hidden here. What's it mean, hidden? If something is hid, what must you do? What must you do? Huh? You have to search for it. You can look and look and look and look and look. But there's one important thing you have to do. You have to find it. Many people don't even search. And if you can't search, how will you ever find? The New Testament says, Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall open unto you, right? But he first said, You must seek things of God. It's something that's required on our part to do to be able to get what we really need from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all right here. So, what about striving to live a life that is holy and blameless? Hmm. Holy and blameless. How important is being holy? What is holiness? Is a Pentecostal religion? No. What is it? What's holiness? Separation? Okay. So, holiness, another word that we use, it's the same Greek word, hagiosmos, but uh, it's the same word that we use and most people understand it more. And what word is that? Sanctification. Okay. And we know that that means to be set apart. Right? So we understand that holiness is that which means to be set apart. Now, if I want to set Bill apart from everybody else, what do I have to do? I have to get him and move him over here away from everybody else. I have to separate him from everybody else if I want Bill to be separated. Right? If I separate him from you, I take him and I bring him up here and I sit him and now he is separated from you. We're doing a lot of separating right now. We are. We're separating ourselves from what? We're separating ourselves from our Christian brothers and sisters. They're separating us from those who strengthen us. Because, yes, the Lord strengthens us. I understand that our strength comes from the Lord. I understand that. But we have strength in one another. We have encouragement from one another. All of that comes from being able to be together. But God didn't tell us to separate ourselves from our Christian brothers. He didn't tell us to separate ourselves from the, from, the, from the Word of God, to separate ourselves from Him. He says separate ourselves from the world. Okay? Separating ourselves from the world. It's pretty simple to me. I don't like saying that that's the world because that's the Christian play. Let's say that's the world. That flag over there is the world. That over there is God. And He says, separate yourself 
from the world. What does that mean? Does that mean that I walk over here? Now I'm separated myself to God? Yes, it does. It's not just a separation from the world that brings you to what I call neutral. Okay? I have separated myself from the world. Now I'm walking right here. That's not what it means. It means to separate yourself from the world to God. When you turn your life to God, what's this? My back is to the world for me not to partake of that part of the world, right? Now, it's, a, it's important for us to understand uh, the, the, the separation part, right? But in Second Peter, it says, Therefore, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be, to be found by Him, talking about Christ, in peace, be diligent to be found by Him, Christ, in peace, without spot and blemish. Now, just leave off the peace because I'm not preaching about peace. So let's say, be diligent to be found by God without spot and blameless. Now, there's a great lot of teaching I've preached on the super grace or hyper grace or lousy grace or whatever you want to call it, okay? Grace before, and I'm not going to get onto that because that's a whole different thing. But the thing about it is, is there's, a, there's teaching that goes around that keeps talking about the fact that because of grace, there's nothing we can do. We're automatically without spot and without blemish. I tell you, I can put on this shirt, and I can wear it, and I can drop ketchup on it, I can drop food on it, I can get grease on it, and everything else, but because it's already black, it's going to be hard for you to see. But if it's white and spotless, every little speck is going to show up, right? It'll all show up there. When we put on when we ask Jesus Christ to cleanse, forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, in actuality, we put on a very clean garment to wear. And it's spotless, blameless. Nothing wrong, perfectly clean. I tell the guys in the prisons, when we used to go to the prisons, they had white uniforms. I said, I know you guys get uniforms every day. And they laughed at me because they don't. But I said, you get a clean uniform, white uniform. They're a serenary white. And I said, you get that white uniform, and, and uh, you go to breakfast, you spill your, your milk on it, your coffee on it, and you got this all the way spilled all the way down the front of your thing. You just go over and tell me you want another clean garment. No, you wear it for two days with the stains on it because you get a uniform every two days if you're lucky when you're in prison. Well, see, there's a lot of people that do the same thing. They walk around all day long, they get all these stains on it, they walk day after day, and then on Sunday they come to church filthy, and then they get, Lord, forgive me, and they put on a clean garment again. They get another spotless garment. And a lot of people think that this just automatically happens, that there's no repentance necessary. But we're learning in the lesson that we have to repent. Repent means to ask God to forgive us for these things. 
and it's important for us to do it. But this is the part that we miss, and this is in Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with all people, and I'm going to skip that. I'm just going to say pursue, go to the next one, pursue holiness. Pursue holiness. The Lord healed me many, many years ago of a ruptured disc in my back. I walked out of the hospital weeping because I didn't have to go through surgery. God had healed me, miraculously healed me. I went and I sat down in my car because I had driven myself to the hospital. My father and mother was going to come and pick up my car. And um, I sit down in the car. And I had my head on the steering wheel and I was crying. With joy, of course. And a voice spoke to me so strongly that I turned around and looked in the back seat. He said, Preach faith and love. For without those two things, no man will ever see me. I didn't understand all of that, and, and I started preaching, preaching on faith, and then come to find out that faith is pretty much the whole Bible if you really look at it. But the thing is, the fact is, when, we, when, when he said to preach faith and love, I found out that there's, there's something I have to do to grow in faith. There's something that I have to do to grow in love. There's something I have to do. God, re, there are things that we have to do, and a lot of people think it just automatically comes. I get saved and whoop, I got it, I got it, I got it now. I, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I got it now. I have arrived. Yeah, you arrived, but you ain't going anywhere until you keep seeking. A lot of people don't think that you think that just holiness just happens. Well, praise God, I got the righteousness of God, so I am righteous. Yes, we do have the righteousness of Christ. That perfect man on the inside of us does. But this flesh has to be brought into obedience to God's Word. And it says, pursue holiness. That means there's something required on our part to do something in living our life for Jesus. It's something that we must establish as a priority in our life to pursue the holiness because it says, without which no one will see the Lord. That's pretty strong. It tells me that Separation from the world toward God is more than lip service. It's something that becomes something that we must pursue. When I played football, I wish, I really wish that when I broke through the line of scrimmage and finally got past all of those 300-pound guys, and I stepped right there. They were behind me, and all that was in front of me was those little safeties. And the guys that weigh 135 pounds, 165 pounds, you know, whatever. I enjoyed those guys much better than I did those 300 ones. But the thing is, what I, what I wished more than anything in the world was once I got through, they all would have given up and never pursued me. It would have been easy because I broke through the line. Nobody pursues me. I can just take my time, make an easy ride. There's a lot of people that think when they got saved, they broke through the line and there's nobody pursuing them. Satan is pursuing them because he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. His whole thing in life is to destroy you. And the way he does that is he gets you to change your focus and your priorities away from him and toward the things of this flesh that we have. Pursue the peace. Pursue it. Holiness. We know what it is. Separation. 
So being a child of God requires us to keep the commandments of God. The commandments of God, by definition, if I command you, do I give you a choice? When God gave a commandment, He didn't say, do this if you really want to. He says, do this or else. Do this or else. Now, he might have told us to witness. He might have told us to pray. He might have told us to read God's Word. He might have told us to refrain from anger. He might have told us to do some things he doesn't want us to do and told us some things he wanted us to do. But whatever he did, all of these things all boiled around into the commandments of God. In 2 Corinthians, it says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us, let us, who's us? Is that God? That's a little us. That's a little you. So it can't be talking about God. It says, let us cleanse ourselves. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Not a capital S, but a small s. That's our spirit. In other words, how we think about it. Our spirit's like our conscience, okay? We have to take this conscience that we have inside of us, and we have to keep that conscience cleansed. Everybody knows from the day they're born, they know innately right and wrong. If you could take a child and put them in a bubble, they would know right and wrong, and they would understand what right and wrong is. A lot of times when kids are young, they're taught wrong, and they're taught wrongly, and they're told the things that are wrong are actually right, the things that are right are actually wrong. And so therefore we have society with problems, right? Because they say they don't know what's wrong and what's right. But I ask every prisoner, how many of you, I ask them, and Randy can attest to this because I've asked them many times. I said, how many of you, when you committed whatever you did that got you put in here, knew that you were wrong when you did it? Every one of them will raise their hand. Because they knew they were wrong. But they chose to do wrong. And you say, well, that's because they're unsaved. We, as Christians, have the choice to choose doing right or doing wrong. And we don't like to talk about what wrong is. And wrong is sin. You can't cut it any other way. If it's not good, it's sin. If it's not what God's Word says, it's sin. And it's important for us to realize this. You say, well, Brother Graham, you're talking about priorities. Yes, I am talking about priorities. Because when it says, it is us that do this, and, and it says, then after it says, and the Spirit, cleaning all this flesh and the Spirit, it says, perfecting holiness. How do you perfect anything? You get better at it. Do we make mistakes, especially when we're young Christians? I guarantee you, when I was a young Christian, I made mistakes. Matter of fact, I made them before I was a, a Christian. And I, everybody said, I was a good kid. And I was. I really was. I was a good kid. But that didn't get me to heaven. My mom and dad were saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. My dad was a deacon and trustee and, uh, and, and secretary of the church for 50 years. That didn't save me. 
There came a day in my life that I was under my daddy's shelter, you know, under his authority. But there was a time in my life that I had to make a commitment, that I had to make my own commitments, and then I had to make my own choices. My dad made all of my choices for me when I lived under him, but then there came a time that I had to make my own choices. And I couldn't make, and if I didn't like the choices that my dad made for me, guess what I did? I did what I wanted to do. Elvis Presley used to sing one, I did it my way. Yeah, he did. And there's a lot of people today doing it their way. But God says, you have to do it my way. My way. So we have to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. Now, we have to have responsibility to keep ourselves from sin, and that falls on us. Even though we know that if we sin, and I like to say accidentally sin because we shouldn't be sinning on, you know, with premeditated thought, okay? But if we accidentally sin, we can repent. God will forgive us of our sins. But it's important to remember that even if you commit a sin and God and you ask for repentance and God that you are forgiven of that sin, realize that that sin still has consequences. Because you've already committed it. God will forgive you for what you did. But for instance, if a person goes out and shoots somebody and they feel bad about it, they can ask God to forgive them and he'll forgive them, but they're still going to have to go to prison. They may even have to go to the death, death penalty because they broke man's law, right? It's important to, to, to realize that, that this is all part of it, that no matter every sin that we commit has consequences, hopefully not bad, a lot of bad consequences because you don't make big mistakes because the bigger the sin, the bigger the consequences, right? But the thing that's more important to that is every sin, large and small, has consequences, but it also affects our life. Every sin affects us. It causes something inside of us to die because it's something that God doesn't like and His convicting power is there. And every sin hurts us. It hurts us. Yes, God forgives you for it, but it's just like if I take my finger, I should say finger, not my finger, my finger, that's just my southern draw. And I take a hammer, and I put it down on the table, and I hit it, and I ask myself to forgive me for that, it still hurt. God, forgive me for hitting my finger. It's still going to hurt. God forgave you, but it still has, it still has a lasting effect. And that's the part that we have to be so concerned with, and that's the part that I really want people to understand tonight. We must turn away from the world. And when you turn away from the world, and this is where I want to get to tonight, because this is the crust of what I wanted to say. That was my introduction. I'll get into the message. No, just joking. Um, it's important when it says to, to that we must, it tells us to stay away from the world, right? The things of the world. It says, First John, it says, First John 2, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If any if, and I like to use that if, it might beat the fool out of ifs and thens. All right? But the Bible is full of ifs. If you love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, if, that's another message, if, Anyone loves the world, 
if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So it makes it pretty plain that if you love the world, the love of God's not in you. That's what the Word said. Don't get mad at me. That's what the Word said. The problem is, what is the world? What is the world? That's the key. Because he says, we cannot love the world or the things of the world. Okay? Oh, that means because a milkshake tastes good, it's bad for you. Okay? Anything that tastes good is bad for you because no temptation it tastes bad. You understand what I'm trying to say? If you partake of something in the world that tastes really good, you don't think it's bad because all the good things out there that draw us is not good for us. Okay? Just like the food, all this good food is... Kathy was telling me that too, really. She didn't say it exactly, but pretty much she said, you know, if it tastes really good, it's probably not good for you. But you know, I learned very young in the Pentecostal church, there wasn't much in the world that I could do. The only two things I was allowed to do as a child growing up, as a teenager, was go to church and eat. Because we didn't partake of the world. We couldn't do anything in the world. We couldn't even watch that devil's box. And if you don't know what a devil's box is, ask somebody over the age of uh, 60. Okay? But anyway, that's a TV for the short. Anyway. But he says, do know the world. But it says, for all that is in the world. Hmm. So he's going to tell us what the world is. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So we don't have to go look and figure out what is the world. The world is these things that the lust of the flesh, what this flesh wants for itself to satisfy itself and make it feel good. The pleasures that come, that's where we see it. If you want to get in all the sins, you can go look in all the sins and you can go find them. I'm not going there, but you can go where it talks about what sins is off. It starts talking about things. They're things of the flesh. The things of the flesh. You've got anger. You've got all these different things that are going on, all the, the works of the flesh. These fleshly things that we do. It's because our flesh desires things. We lust for things that are not good for us. Now, there are good things out there for us. I'm not saying there aren't good things out there. But the thing about it, do we lust after them or do we love the creation? And do we love and when we do them, do we feel the blessings of God and do we know it was God? There was an old saying that went around years ago, what would, what would Jesus do? They always ask you that question. Remember, they always had the little necklaces and the ne- all kinds of stuff. What would Jesus do? In other words, if you got ready to go do something, they say, what would Jesus do? My father went a little bit further before they came out with that saying. He says, if you want to know if it's right or wrong to do, 
If Jesus was standing right next to you, would you tell it? Would you go? Would you go there? Would you do it? Or would you be ashamed to do it because Jesus was standing right there next to you? That's a good way to know. It's a good way to find out. But people don't want to do that. But the thing about it, folks, is Jesus is right there. He's not right there. He's right here. He's there watching us all the time. He sees us. And I notice I haven't got a whole lot of amens tonight. I didn't expect any, but I want you to know I, I, this is what God told me to preach, and this is what I'm preaching. So this is where it comes from. But the thing about lust of the flesh, and then the lust of the eyes, the desiring of things. And what do we do? We desire the certain things. We desire certain things that are out there, right? But the people say, well, it's okay to go out there and, and do some things. I'm just going to ask you this. Is it? Have you prayed about it? Have you sought God about it? Then it goes off the pride of life. And the pride of life is, you know, it's not of the Father. It's right there. And I think everybody knows I don't have a whole lot of time to go into it, but I'm going to share a little bit with you here. And it says, And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Again, doing God's will. This is His will. Right here. This is His will. Now, Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. That favorite word of mine is the first two letters. If. That means there's a condition coming. There is a condition coming when you see if. If you do something, then something else is going to happen. But if. If then you were raised with Christ, if then you were raised with Christ, that means that you are saved, right? Seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And here it is. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden in Christ, in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with Him in His glory. Therefore, put to death your members, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, love, desire, and covetedness, which is idolatry. People say, we don't have idols today. We don't have little carved carved images and we set them in there. No, some of them, some people drive them. You understand what I'm saying? But what I'm saying is, we have our own idols today. We have little modern day idols that we have. And here we see covetous is idolatry. Idolatry is a big tool that Satan uses to draw us away from the Lord. It's things that we desire more than God. More than being in His presence. The seeker-friendly churches today, you can fill a church up. They have a rule. They have a little manual that you can get. If you do this, you can have a big church. You can have a mega church. You can. Because all you got to do is tell everybody they're saved and they all feel good to go live their life the way they want to. But people are... Because people are looking for someone to teach them that sin is okay 
and that what they want and desire to do is not sin. Down deep in our hearts, down deep in our hearts, we all know that many of the things that we do is really sin. We just don't want to admit it because we love the feeling that we get when we commit it. And if you don't watch it, you'll commit the little ones so long that you will no, no longer will the Spirit speak to you about them because you've already justified them in your mind. Once you justify sin in your mind, it no longer pricks at your heart because you have severed that part of you. And that's the part that we have to be so careful with. I don't, you can get into, idolatry is self-serving. It's what do I get from it? How do I feel? You know, popularity, acceptance, praise, physical gratifications, all the things that come with, what are you going to make me feel good today? We're supposed to be doing what does, do you see God in me, not me? I used to, when I was, when I was pastor, I used to tell people, I said, don't look at me. Look through me to the one that I serve because I will fail. But Jesus never fails. And that's the part that we have to remember. We can't serve God in the world. Matthew 6.24 says that no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. We like to talk about this with God in money, but this you can't serve God in anything else. God is a jealous God. You serve me and me only, he says. Not anybody else. And some people tonight, out there, here, whatever, will hear what I have to say. Other people turn me off as soon as I started talking about sin. But the thing about it is we have to remember that you cannot serve God in anything else. It's God and God alone. Satan is very subtle in the ways that he, that he works. He starts with small sins. Then we excuse them away. Then they get bigger. They get bigger. And soon, we don't even think about it anymore. He sets the hook, and then He draws us to Him, little by little by little. And one day we wonder, how do we get where we are? How do we get here? A little bit at the time. This time that y'all waited for is the conclusion, so I'm going to conclude. That means I've got to get finished in four minutes. In today's world, it's easy for us to see how Satan is dividing our country. He's setting father against son, mother against daughter, child against child, family against family. He's divided our hearts, priority, to destroy our lives. The one reason he does it is to destroy our lives and destroy he wants to destroy our heart. He wants to destroy our mind. He wants to destroy our family. He wants to destroy our marriage. He wants to destroy our life. He wants to destroy everything that is good in you. He wants to destroy it. And that is the most precious thing that He gives to us, is all of those things, our families, our lives, and so forth. Just read the other day that during this, you want to hear some statistics. I'm not talking about COVID. The separation and the causing people to be at home Divorces have increased 40%. 40%. That's because our priorities got scrambled up and we started looking at things that we didn't normally look at before and we saw things that we didn't like. 
Sin is just pleasures in life, material goods. But even small, seemingly harmless things can twist our attention and turn our priorities away from God. Even the small things. Temptations that we give into when we are tempted. God said He offers an escape for every temptation. Well, first of all, there's only one answer to a temptation. Anybody know what the answer is? No. There isn't a maybe. I could do it later. A temptation is to a temptation would mean to tempt to do evil, and there's only one answer to temptations, and that is no. No question about it. It's very simple. It's not a baby or could be or whatever. It's no. All right? But seemingly harmless things can twist our attention. Temptations that we go on and continue in weakens our conscience, and we become content in sin. Now is not the time to try to live for the Lord while holding on to the things of the world with its passions and desires. Now is the time to draw closer to the Lord God and separate ourselves from the world and all of the snares and all of the temptations that the world has for us. It's not, it is not the time to compromise the Word of God. If this is truth, that's a lie. Compromise is right here, but that's sin. You can't compromise God's Word. People talk about we have to compromise in life. You can compromise if you want to compromise. You might have to compromise, but you can't compromise between God's Word and what the Word of God. Anything in the middle is a lie. I'll end with this scripture, and I do promise to end. Revelation 3, 15 through 17. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were hot or cold. He didn't say he wished you were. He said, I could wish. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, I've become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. And you don't know, you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. What he's saying is, is we sometimes don't even know where we are because we've become so comfortable of where we are and we don't need to stay there. It's time to get out of the mud and get back on the road of righteousness. Let's get our priorities in order. Serve God with all of our hearts, souls, minds, and strength. Do not compromise our top priority, which is the love of God, love our God, love of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's important for us to do that, folks. This is not a popular message, but it's a message we all know and that we all need to know because when you play with the world, you're playing with fire. Remember, they signed a deal yesterday. What are they saying? Peace is coming to the Middle East. Praise God. You know what that means? That means Jesus is coming soon. He said, when we cry, peace, peace, then cometh what? Sudden destruction. So, folks, 
Time is near. Now is not the time to play around. Now is the time to commit. Make a commitment with your heart. Give God all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, and search and know and pray and let God guide you into what you do every day because it's because of that that we're able to make it and that we're all going to be there. I don't want drinking a cup of coffee to keep me out of heaven. And that ought to get somebody's attention. I don't believe that. But I had a lady in my church. I was pastoring. We were talking about sin, and I was talking about things were wrong, whatever the case may be. And she says, well, I can't drink coffee. She said, to me, coffee's a sin. And I said, whoa. I had, I, had, I, had to, I had to drink coffee. I, had, I never drank coffee until I got married. It was part of my marital agreement. It was part of the, you know, to get married. I had to drink coffee. I had to learn to drink coffee. But I said, well, I don't understand what you're talking about. And she says, in my house, we put coffee on the first thing in the morning, and when we, shut, when we turn the lights off to go to bed, we turn the coffee pot on. We have coffee, and we drink coffee all day long. She said, I drink it with my family all day long. And she said, one day the Lord told me, I want you to give coffee up. She said, None of my family gave it up. I got up every morning, put the coffee on, and I turned, the, turned it off when we went to bed at night. But she said, I never drank another cup of coffee. And she said, well, I said, well, I, I don't see where it says we can't drink coffee in the Word of God. She said, it's not. But the Bible, if God tells you to give up something for Him, it may not be a sin to anybody else, but it may be a sin to you. And so I say all of that, all of that to say, we have, there may be people who have ideas about certain things. But if it says it in here, I can't, I can't find coffee in here, so I'm not going to worry about coffee. But if it says it in here, I need to worry about it. And this is the Word of God that we have. Would you bow your heads? Father, I thank You for Your Word. Thank You, Holy Spirit, that You came and You, came, and you helped, Lord, to get through this. And I thank You for that. And Lord, if there's any here, Lord, right now, that needs to search their lives to do this, I ask You, God, to, to deal with them about it in the name of Jesus. If there's someone out there, they're just holding on to the world because they have that pleasure that gives them. It gives them that, that, that time of pleasure. God, let them seek you and ask you, Lord, what your word has to say about it. God, I pray that you go with us. Keep a hedge of safety around us. Don't danger your harm should come to us. And I thank you, Lord, and I praise you for it. Bring us back again at the next appointed time. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you as you go.